G'day everyone and welcome to the Doctor Who Show's Hot Takes on Series 12 of Doctor Who. I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And Dave, I've got to say up front, this is a, well it's a hot take or is it a slightly warm take because we're doing it a day later than usual. Yeah, it's war- warm to, uh, to hot, hopefully it's still, uh, still edible. Because <laughs> I have a confession to make, and that's I've actually seen the episode twice at this point, which is a bit rare for when we record. Oh, fair enough. I have only seen it once, and I have, for the most part, avoided comments about the episode. I've seen some as I've scrolled through social media here and there, but I'm trying to keep this as hot as I can. Mm, very good, very good. Shall we start with uh, our top-level thoughts on the episode, and we'll go with you first. Since I watched the episode, I have been struggling to work out what my opening sentence should be, because (laughs) I can't work out exactly how to describe this episode. If Mm. I said that it was a bit of a mixed bag, that would be an understatement. If if I said it was a mess, that would be unfair, Mm. because it is a lot of episode, and it is a lot of Doctor Who. There is some really good, wonderful, exciting stuff in there. There's some really annoying, terrible stuff in there. <laughs> and yes. I still don't quite know how to describe this episode. Uh, it was definitely exciting. It was definitely interesting. It also had a lot of problems. It's a really, really difficult one to get my mind around and there's a lot in that to explore but Rob I failed to give you my top line thoughts so (laughs) can you do any better well this is really interesting because as long-term listeners know or even short-term listeners know we we come into these uh with each other cold I have no idea what you're going to be saying you have no idea what I'm going to be saying so that that's really interesting I think I might have a little better handle on it but maybe not to any great degree because Dave I think this this is a very basic base under siege story, but it's saved to some degree, I guess, by the nice location. There's some halfway decent dialogue here and there, and there are some really good effects. But it's mm. no it's no classic. It's not even close. It's not even as good, I would say, as Edheim's previous effort, which was It Takes You Away. And that's the one with the bonkers frog moment. Yeah, so to give you an example of why I found this difficult or why I think it's an interesting, eclectic episode in some ways... Right at the start, in the first five minutes, we had all the stuff in the TARDIS console room, the putting together the little business card QB transport box thing, straight then into the uh, reception area. Ryan gets infected by the little space bug and starts to sort of do his hand driving and waving around. I thought, okay, cool. This is this is the funny one. This yeah. is the silly one. This is this is the out there one. Okay, cool. Kablam. Yeah, yeah, like I'm, 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 on, I'm on board for that. They're all playing it up a bit, and they're all having a bit of fun with this idea, and a little bit more physical comedy, and cool. Okay, I'm, I'm in the zone for that. Great. Five minutes later, tourists are being slaughtered on mass mm. by mm. monsters, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this isn't quite so funny anymore. This is, this is, this is all very, very serious, and. It's like, okay, this is like the big climax of the episode. What do they do now? And then it changes tone again. And then you've got the characters with green hair. And then you're exploring the outside. And then you've got this weird stuff with the old couple. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know what mood I'm supposed to be in right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're in, as you say, we're in the funny sort of thing. Is, is it Paradise Towers or is it Smile? And next thing we're outside. Is it midnight? We're driving along in that truck. Um, you know, we're meeting weird technical people. Is it like uh, those weird blue people we met on that space station in Eccleston's second story? Uh, you know, it's so many reference points for Doctor Who. It's it's almost like a greatest hits of old episodes Ed Heim might have watched once. <laughs> Yeah, and there's so much in it that I enjoy. There's so much in it that I like. There's some good stuff in here, but does it all work as one big homogenous whole? Oh, Mm. gee, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, let's tease that out over the next half hour because I'll start by saying, you know, you say that the, the start was funny, but there was also a line right near the start where Yaz said something about the doctor's mood and the doctor sort of snapped at him a mood's fine and i think graham or or ryan said or you've been told and i thought "Ooh, that's a carry on from you know the past episode and gallifrey and all that sort of stuff that seems to be kicking on and then it didn't sort of go anywhere (laughs) yeah it did feel like okay the script's been written they've sent it in then the showrunner as is their job in that script editor sort of role has gone okay well we left the last story with a very particular beat and a very particular tone Mm. so we need to make sure that there isn't a a real hard jump and people aren't going hang on she's just seen Gallifrey destroyed she can't just walk in here all funny you know the the, the mood's (laughs) got to consider and so he's gone right I'll, I'll add that in but then the new episode starts anyway and as you say it just sort of jumps across so it yeah it's it's very very jarring Mm. Uh, but Jodie's very good in it though oh she is I mean so to talk of the TARDIS team I think Jodie was really leading up front again as the Doctor I thought her performance here was good maybe that you know Mahmood's fine set the tone for me because I I like seeing the Doctor have just that bit bit more personality that bit bit of snappiness bit of snark you know she doesn't need to be Capaldi in his first series but there was just something there and of course Bradley Walsh was well he turned in another good performance Tosin Cole got to do interesting stuff and have a romance and Yaz was well I guess there as we say yeah there's nothing there I'll disagree with I was impressed that in this one Jodie got to lead from the front she got to find the clues and work out what was going on in that intellectual doctor discovering way which was really good she, she, she was the moral centre of the story she was the intellectual centre of the story and she was the plot centre of the story which hasn't been a regular thing in the Chimnalia and certainly for Jodie so that was good I think the companions really did take a step back here and more and more I think we just have to say four companions or four members of the TARDIS team mm. is a mistake because I think what we're seeing now across three episodes in this series is that to make the Doctor more Doctorish and give her the leadership defining plot driving role that the Doctor should have you need to take something away from the companions. You, you, you need to, to, to add plot to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, the, the pie is only so big, and to give more pie to the Doctor, you have to take it off the companions. And Graham got to do Graham's stuff, and he was very good at it. And once again, Bradley Walsh's performance takes innocuous lines and makes them really good. Great guy. But he didn't really do anything. Uh Tosin Cole got some funny moments. He got to do some good acting. And, you know, he actually got to flirt a bit. And that was nice and something we haven't seen from him. But did he really contribute much to the plot? No. No. And Yaz, was she there? 
<laughs> she was. I, I can confirm. I've seen it twice. She was there, but yeah, okay. not, not in a very big way. Because, yeah, you're right, and we say this all the time. It's too many because you've got to have the, the guest cast in as well. And you look down the list and you've got sort of Kane and her rebellious daughter, Bella. You've got Vorm. You've got Hyphen, the, the little furry creature with the tail. You've got Nevi and his son, Silas. And you've got the pensioners, Vilma and Benny. That's a whole bunch of people to be sticking in as well as this four-person TARDIS team. It's, in, it's crazy. Which brings me to the next point, Rob. And that is, for the first time ever in one of these hot take reviews that we've done, I've actually pulled up the Wikipedia page for the story mm. with with the list of characters on it okay. to, have, to have in front of me as we record because I genuinely could not tell you who half these characters were. There, there were too many. I didn't get a handle on most of them and that to me was quite a weakness of the story. I think that the action and the adventure was really good. I think the character stuff was really poor simply because too many of them they didn't get time to become real people and yeah it was kind of they they were all kind of lost or phenomenally irritating yeah agree look having seen it twice that's when some of the names started to kick in on the first viewing i couldn't remember james buckley's character's name which was nevy although i did remember his son was silas maybe that stuck in my head because of silas greenback or something on you know yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, um, si- si- Silas is one of those names that, like, likewise, I, I think that was the only name that sat in there for me. Uh, yeah, I sort of remembered Kane, but Vorm, who was Kane's kind of helper, I don't even know what happened to him in the story. I guess he got killed at some point. A hyphen, I sort of remember, but with the with the three, I started getting confused with that. Benny, I knew because Vilma, who I didn't remember, kept running around saying Benny, 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 and there was <laughs> yes. and there was also a funny line at one stage where they said like Benny is traveling at thirty seven kilometers an hour, and she goes, "Oh, that doesn't sound like my Benny," <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it sort of stuck in my mind then. And I think his name was on screen when they were tracking him on the radar, so that sort of stuck. But yeah, it's sort of like six of one, half a dozen of the other. I didn't remember half of them after the first viewing. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, we spoke previously about how getting Stephen Fry was fantastic but clearly they only got him for a day and yes yes a day's recording of Stephen Fry is better than none but yeah, that was kind of a shame mm. they've got James Buckley here who's you know not a household name but I think a very familiar character with a certain part of the British audience and I mean everyone I know of sort of in, in my Doctor Who friendship group when he saw him has all all been able to quote the uh the, 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 the in-between as friends bit straight away. <laughs> as we did at the end of as, the step. As we did, like, you know, that, that lots of people know him as that guy. And what did he do other than having, like, the obvious moment where the son comes in and, you know, what did, yeah. he, what did he do? Like, like he could have been the lead guest. And instead he sort of, once again, there's not enough pie for all these characters. No, no. So... Why don't we move into the plot? And I mean, we'll get onto the characters. We'll talk a bit more about some of them, I guess, as we talk plot. Because I've got to say up front, there's not much to the plot in many ways, Dave. I mentioned it as Base Under Siege earlier. I think this is Base Under Siege 101. You know, monsters attack the centre, they're repelled. Monsters attack the humans outside the dome, then chase them back into the dome. And then at the final moment, they're repelled and our heroes leave. You know, it's very simple. Absolutely, but perhaps this is the strength. In fact, I would say definitely this is the strength of the episode. For a base under siege to work, you've got to feel the threat. 
you think about the pyramids of Mars, which is a country house under siege. Mm. You feel as though any moment now, the Doctor and Sarah could walk around the corner and there'll be mummies or there'll be Scarman or suit. You know, there'll be something dangerous. And it's very, very tense. Yeah, Fury from the Deep. That that heartbeat of the weed creature that's always there Tomb of the Cybermen there's that real fear that if you go down the wrong corridor there's a Cyberman and you can't get away and this captured that there was that sense of these creatures are unstoppable they look fantastic they look scary they they can't be reasoned with they are just unstoppable dangerous they killed two thirds of the colony in the first five minutes mm. when, you, when we went into their territory there's that feeling of all that's between us and them is this this small dodgy vehicle and then when you get out you're in their territory you know you're in their territory and mm. they're everywhere um, I, I was reminded a little bit of the classic trek episode galileo 7 which had a similar thing of a, a, a the, the, the shuttlecraft stuck on an alien planet with similar sorts of monsters and you know there's there's very little between you and survival so so this did all that really really well and i think that's what saved this episode was how effective the base under siege was, at least in my view anyway. Okay, interesting. Before I take that a bit further, I'll just go down a, a side street for a moment. Dave, what sort of resort gives away two-week free holidays to four people? How does it make that up when, when hardly anyone's at the resort to begin with? How do they pay for that? Where does the money come from? They're not making it up in volume, like on sales to other people, so... How does that work? Um, I don't know, and it, and it was all inclusive. It's not as though they, you know, like give you a free room, but they screw you at the bar or something. Like, exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Doc Doc Two's never been very good at economics. So. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the real plot, uh, along the way throughout this base at under siege, we learn that they're on Earth, Dave, and yes. it's become a satellite planet due to climate change, and humans have become the monsters. You know, this must have taken a hell of a long time. And the conceit of the monsters taking in carbon dioxide and breathing oxygen, while that was promoted as a great symbiosis with the humans later in the episode, how does that normally work when there'd be no humans there to be giving them carbon dioxide? I was trying to figure out how they actually lived without that. Uh, they looked cool. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> But you know the bit I mean when Jody says, "Look, I'm I'm breathing out carbon dioxide, and you're you know breathing out oxygen." It's you know we're in we're in sync. This is great. And I thought, yeah, but the planet's not covered in humans to sort of counterbalance these monsters. Look, you're right, but let's go way, way, way back to the Daleks in 1963-64, where the concept was that the mutation adapts to what's caused the damage to the planet. So, the the the, the Daleks mutated in such a way that they no longer uh, were damaged by radiation and in fact needed radiation to survive Mm. is it scientific in any way shape or form not at all but as a thematic thing you get it and and i think that's exactly the same here no it's scientifically it doesn't work at all (laughs) but 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 the narrative is that the environment became so Degradated that humanity could not survive, but the mutation of humanity adapted to what the planet was becoming. So now it was a carbon dioxide-based atmosphere rather than a oxygen-nitrogen one. So mm. that's what the like. Like I, I get the thematic theme of that. Is it scientifically literate? No more than it's economically literate. Hey, yeah. it's Doctor Who. 
True, true enough. I mean, I, I've made a note here that it's just a bit ropey in some areas. It's like the writer started with this big idea that the Earth has been destroyed by climate change and then just tried to weave stuff around it, and some of it sort of sticks and some doesn't for me. Yeah, it, it is a little bit 90s. It is a little bit sort of last century and that sort yes. of simplistic sort of thing. And, and you're right, we're perhaps used to a bit more sophisticated ideas and concepts now, but I, I get it. Yeah, now look, you said you hadn't seen what a lot of fans have been saying. I've seen limited stuff, but I have seen enough to know that this is a theme. Dave, uh, a lot of fans, it seems, are unhappy with some of the heavy-handed moralising or lecturing, whatever you want to call it, in the episode. And first up, I want to put aside people who, you know, they're, they're the, you know, there's no such thing as climate change types. You know, this episode set them off without even trying. Just put them to one side. I'm talking about people who possibly do believe in climate change, but maybe don't like their Doctor Who to be preachy. Could you see where their point might be coming from? Uh, I can. And if that's how it landed for those people, then that's fair enough. I've got two points to make on it, but let me start by giving you a little quote here. Okay. It's not the oil and the filth and the poisonous chemicals that are the real cause of pollution, Brigadier. It's simply greed. Mm. Now, that's obviously a quote from the end of Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Yep. Uh, classic, classic Pertwee story. So, I, I, I mentioned that for two reasons. One, Doctor Who has, particularly in the Pertwee era, had preachy lessons. Go right back to Hartnell and you get lines like, you must travel with understanding as well as well as hope and you know a, a racial allegory in the ark. You get moralising in the Daleks. Yeah, right, right the way through. You, you you've got all that. Uh, Tom Baker's comment about an economy based on an industrial slime in Terror of the Zygons. The Green Death. Come on, guys. <laughs> so I, I don't have a problem with Doctor Who being preachy. It's been preachy before. It, it's an educational show. We're meant to have a partial educational remit. That's fine. My problem is that where that was a really elegant line that I just quoted delivered by Pertwee in a really subtle way that just makes you go, oh, wow, yeah, nice point. This was a very clunky piece of dialogue shouted down the barrel of the camera, and I think it was less effective because of that. So do I have a problem with the preachiness or with the moral message of the story? Absolutely not. Perfectly valid, fair game. Do I think it was clunky and badly written and badly directed? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. And I'll also say something else. The the climate change speech, if I can call it, that happens about three quarters the way through the episode when the Doctor starts talking about, oh, yeah, the planet ignored all its scientists and all this. And it, and it does get a bit heavy-handed and such. But then at the ending, the Doctor's doing another speech saying, humans are extraordinary, you have the choice of, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, Earth's future isn't fixed, all that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of fans are conflating the speech at the end with the speech about three quarters of the way through and thinking it's all one thing. And it's actually not. I think, you know, the story has its preachy moment three quarters of the way through, but that's all it is. It's just a moment. But then because they loop back and do this other bit, which they're conflating into the climate change preachy moment i think people are thinking there's more preachiness to it than there really is i think people are predisposed to maybe chibnall who being preachy to begin with based on last series and as soon as they get a whiff of it some fans at least they're like oh no i'm off you know he's doing it again sort of thing yeah i, I think that's probably right there is a predisposition to it or a uh, wariness of it that has played into that mm. but i do also think that as i say the poor writing and direction of certainly the last of those, the second of those, and, and to a certain degree the first of those, I think, did 
bring the effect down a bit. It it could have been done better, and still had a well, had, arguably had a better impact, as I think you know a lot of the Pertwee stuff did. Oh, I agree, and I had this conversation with a with a fan on Facebook. You know, older Doctor Who tended to treat the audience a little bit smarter. You know, maybe this this brand of Doctor Who does think the audience is younger, so it's got to do things a bit more heavy-handed. I don't know, but I think when Doctor Who did treat the audience a bit smarter and show don't tell, or if they are telling, do it in a more elegant way, I think it just does work better. It becomes more timeless. This will go down as a very divisive kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's fair as well. A uh, couple of random little things from me. Given that we saw that the world or the or the or the, 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 the center had a physical dome, you know, when we went outside it there was a big physical dome, why did it also need to have an electronic barrier? Or was that just was that like a electronic paint job? Yeah, uh when they actually show the the reveal that there's this wasteland outside, it was like there was a hole had been ripped in the physical barrier and it was only the electric barrier keeping stuff out so maybe that was the theory there that maybe they needed that extra bit of security just in case the creatures could could scratch a hole or blast a hole maybe in the physical skin yeah it it did feel to me and this is perhaps reflective of the whole episode that the people designing the interior weren't talking to the people designing designing the cgi model work for the exterior they felt like very disparate things much mm. like scenes in this episode felt like very disparate parts of of, of diff- different episodes and and the final point i want to make before we go to the sports desk is a follow-on from last week as i said i enjoyed the ideas and the action and the monsters in this story so a lot of good things but once again uh jody whittaker's doctor's propensity to stop and expositionize mm. to the audience really was a problem here as well so yeah lots of good things lots of annoying things a really strange odd story it is it's it's hard to get a handle on i'm glad i watched it twice actually because i i thought different things the second time around but yeah i i agree with you um maybe we'll learn more as we hit the sports desk So welcome back to the Sports Desk for our Play of the Week, our Foul of the Week, and our Player of the Week. Rob, Play of the Week. Dave, my Play of the Week involves the mother-daughter team. Can you call them a team? I guess they were teamed up at the end of Kane and Bella. This is my Play of the Week for one simple reason. The episode ended with this very definite feeling that those two were about to get ripped limb from limb. It was left slightly ambiguous, and, you know, Bradley Walsh was saying to Tosin Cole, oh, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. But we sort of know they won't. We sort of know they're going to die very horribly any moment now, and the Doctor's not rushing to help them or anything. It's 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 just going to be one of these moments where people do die. And it was a very downbeat ending, and I quite liked that the episode had the guts to do that. And in a similar sort of vein, the way all the, the guests were taken out quite horribly as well, I thought... This episode's got some guts. This is this is some harder sort of sci-fi, you know, and, and kudos to the episode for doing that. I totally agree with you. I suspect it was let down a little bit, though, because in a very rushed episode, it 
just kind of again came out of nowhere like okay now we're doing the thing where the doctor has to make the moral decision to sacrifice these people because she can't save them like oh we're doing mm. that episode now <laughs> <laughs> you know where's, where's that been for the last 40 minutes so yeah no that's that's fair enough yeah this is a script that maybe if it had 60 minutes like the last two episodes could have been a, a little different yeah no ab- absolutely my play of the week is to the stuff outside of the dome and in particular the moment where the doctor realizes that they're actually being drawn into a trap and you suddenly realize how many of these creatures are around them and mm. the tensions raptured it up once again and as i said right near the start of this review rob if you're going to do a base under siege you need to be scared and you need to feel it's dangerous and at that point wow i i really felt that this was dangerous very good shall we do mvp or foul next dave uh, let's do foul, because I always like to finish on a, on a positive note. <laughs> okay. My foul, I'm again returning to the mother and daughter, but not the same moment. Not like last week when I turned this, the same moment on its head. Here, it's this whole, I'm building this dodgy place for my daughter, <laughs> even though she's clearly abandoned her daughter a long time ago. The daughter hates her guts. She's been looking after a dying father for all this time. And then the mother returns at the end after we'd given her up for dead and... I'm just not sure what this storyline added to the, the, the whole proceedings. I wonder if two strangers having to come together and work together might have been more surprising and more powerful than this sort of cliche, I'm doing it for my daughter, but she doesn't know, and then the daughter wants to blow it up, and then they're mates again, and, you know, oh, I don't know. That was my foul. I, I would have actually been quite comfortable excising that whole subplot and giving the other really? a bit more room to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. What was yours? Benny? 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 Where's Benny? What's happened to Benny? Benny? I'll just go away and die, you annoying person. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> is this is this Ed High maybe watching Paradise Towers and thinking, oh, people love the resis. Let's have some resi type people in this. I think it was meant to be that everybody loves their grandparents and putting grandparents under threat uh, you know, and particularly, you know, grandparents who are just about to become engaged. Wow. Like, who, who isn't going to shed a tear when they die? Well, I didn't because she was just so annoying. Yeah, fair enough. Did you like the scene, though, at the start where Yaz interrupted the uh, engagement? Yeah, that was quite well played. I, I did like that. <laughs> Very good. I think that just leaves us with MVP. Do you want to lead off on this one, Dave? Uh, my... MVP is whoever did the design for this episode, and in particular the dregs. Uh, I don't know who that person is, I'm sorry, it's not up on the Wikipedia page that I have in front of me, mm-hmm. um, but I just thought that design is as good as anything we've seen in New Who. It was very well shot, very well done, so whoever's behind the dregs is my MVP. Very good. Just quickly on design, I looked up the Auditorio de Tenerife, which is the big building they're in. Uh, that's out in the Canary Islands in Spain, Dave. Did okay. you know? Yeah. And uh, it's as you see it on TV. However, there's water almost directly on one side, almost like an opera house, Sydney Opera House kind of arrangement. You know, there's water all around one side of it. And on the other side, there's a road. And on the other side of the road, there's like buildings and high rise and a, a, a city. So it's amazing how they took that building and put it in the middle of nowhere in the episode. I thought that was quite clever in terms of design uh, as well. But my MVP, I really struggled this uh, week because, well, I just struggled. 
I'm going to give it to Bradley Walsh. I think he was the most watchable character on screen. I think he had some great lines. I think he just, you know, carried things through like he normally does. It's not with any great enthusiasm that I give it to him, though. It's just that I think he was the best of the bunch. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. No, look, that's fair enough. Uh, We haven't mentioned, of course, the homage to Trial of a Time Lord, where they discovered that it was Earth based on an old underground station, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At least it was one in Russia rather than in the UK, so it was a bit different. Yeah, I was. this was part of my summary, Dave, so maybe I'll just crack into my summary. Overall, I thought this episode might have been better as a bit of an, an allegory. Maybe it shouldn't have been the Earth, because, you know, Earth's meant to be Ravelox, as you've just pointed out. But we did talk about multiple Earths or multiple possibilities for Earth in the episode, and it all became a bit... Uh, I'm not too sure about this. Although for a new viewer, they'd have no idea about that. So, hey, what does it matter? Yeah, I was kind of relaxed about that. It, it had that intention. It did it. And yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, to throw a score at it, I finished the first time with the thought that, oh, this could be a seven, but maybe it's a six. I don't know. I watched it again and I thought, oh, I, I do feel that it's a six, but maybe it's a seven. And I, I'm, I'm really wishy-washy on it. I'm throwing a six at it with some trepidation. It could almost be a seven, but I think six is where I'm landing on this one. I, I wasn't that enamored with it. I'm also going to give it a six. Wow. I'm going to make sure I make a point of watching this at least once more before we do our end of season review episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be very curious as to whether it goes up or down when I see it. There are, there are some episodes you watch, you go, I enjoyed that. I love that. And I know I want to rewatch. I'm going to enjoy it. Or you go, you know what? This just didn't work for me and it's not worth it. This one really, I think, is going to need another watch to really get a handle on it. It's... It had a lot, of, lot, lot to recommend it. A lot to recommend it. It also just was all over the shop and, and that significantly detracted from my enjoyment. Yeah, well, like I say, I've seen it twice now. I'm going to struggle, I think, to watch it a third time when my wife wants to see it. And much like Smile, which we compared it to last week as, as kind of a joke, uh, I haven't wanted to watch Smile since we saw that and, and reviewed it. Uh, I probably won't want to watch this anytime soon for years to come. Fair enough. Uh, two housekeeping points. Mm. At the end of our last episode, we both realised we did not know what had happened to Lenny Henry's character. <laughs> and listening to a couple of other podcasts, we weren't alone in that, but Rob, you did go and investigate. I did go and investigate, and it was a very, very quick scene, probably all of two or three seconds, where he says, you know, get my security detail, and he storms out a door. It, it's it's over and done very quick. So we could have both looked away from the TV when that happened, Dave, and I, I screenshot it and put it up on Twitter. Uh, not everyone saw it, though, and I started getting tweets of people explaining what had happened. I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. We've worked it out. <laughs> nice to know people are listening. Yes, and that we weren't alone in that. No. And the other thing is we've had a couple of comments just noting that we have dropped a couple of our segments from these hot take reviews. Mm. And I just wanted to say, look, it's simply that we wanted to really just slimline these and really just get into the meat of the episodes and not add on too many extra bits because I think we did do that a little bit too much last season. And so we've we've tried to just make this a straightforward, streamlined presentation. That's right, so no word of the week, and we're not reading out your letters, although if you do write to us, we'll read it out on the monthly show when we do that instead. Yep, and no death can either, which 
I did regret this time because it would have been pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, someone wrote in and said, I like the sound effect you used when you used to do it. You know, the tribunal death count. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Wilhelm scream. Look it up, folks. Uh, yes, yeah, so, um, I, look, I don't know what to I don't know what to say to end this. Um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the shop with this episode. Good things, bad things, a real mix. A yeah. real mix. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading what others say. Yeah, look, so so am I, Dave, uh, and and hearing as well, because we obviously listen to so many podcasts out there. Yes, I'm looking forward to next week's episode, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Sounds like a Simpsons episode. I haven't seen the trailer for it. Uh, I don't know whether I turned off iView too early, or it wasn't on the end of iView when I watched it. But I didn't see. I I need to go and check that out. I think you do. okay well i'll go do that and in the meantime i've been dave and i've been rob and we'll speak next week bye 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 you've been listening to the doctor who show the podcast where too much doctor who is barely enough subscribe to us on itunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on twitter at thedwshow facebook.com forward slash the DW show is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke look him up on YouTube folks this podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only Doctor Who or names and sounds and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC all other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners the official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.